0: Back in the fast lane across the Virginia Talk Radio Network. Well, we were warned that it might be a little bit of an uphill climb for the Lynchburg Hillcats, particularly offensively, as they transitioned from players that had been called up to players that were taking on different roles and to including new players on their roster. That's the nature of Major League Baseball, and it's what we have to address right now in part two of Covering the Commonwealth.
1: Yep, we're copying this idea. Covering the Commonwealth, a look at the locally interesting teams and stories from the
2: experts who cover them. Let's start with the Lynchburg Hillcats.
0: With Jason Prill, Jas Prill nineteen, his social media handles, and he's with us in the fast lane. Jason, you warned us this could be a bit of a work in progress for the Lynchburg Hillcats offense, trying to find its groove. Uh, even yesterday in the two-one win over Carolina, which Virginia desperately needed, uh, is this right now the reality of Lynchburg, where they had a good offensive spurt, the parent club took notice, and now all of a sudden they're left. Trying to fill that hole or those holes as they get ready to head down to Kanapolis this coming Tuesday night?
3: Yeah, I think it's going to be like this for just a little bit while longer. Uh, they're still piecing some things together offensively, getting some new guys in, trying to get them uh, some additional playing time, which opens up holes. And uh, when guys are just still trying to get used to this level, uh, they find slumps. This is the kind of part of the year when college guys are used to not playing anymore. So they're starting to lose some of their groove. So it'll be a little bit of an uphill climb. But I think in the second half, which comes up in about three weeks, they'll start to find their groove again.
0: Jason Pro with us here in the fast lane. Jason, is there one takeaway? And that is, you know, for the most part, the pitching staff seems like they've held their own for this team throughout this skid offensively.
3: Yeah, the pitching staff has been pretty pretty solid, especially the back end of the bullpen. This past series, they only gave up Two earned runs in the last three innings of every ball game uh, throughout the entire six-game series. So, uh, if you're looking for one positive takeaway, the back end of our bullpen has been solid. They've been sharp, and they were the struggle point at the start of the year. They're finding their rhythm now.
0: Jason Prell, Lynchburg Hillcats, Jasprell 19, stepping into the fast lane. Jason, last one for you, and we are grateful for your time. Uh, But Lynchburg, they head down to Kannapolis this weekend. Uh, Is it as simple as the offense finding their groove that uh, is eluding this team, or do they need a little bit more out of their starting pitching to at least give them a chance to find their groove in a game?
3: You know, Ed, that's a really good question. I think the starting pitching has been pretty solid. They've left them in a little bit too long at times, which has gotten them into trouble. But I think it all falls back on the offense. If they can start producing, start picking up some hits, the pitchers don't have to be perfect anymore. And they're trying to be perfect to make up for the lack of offense. So if they can alleviate some of that stress off the pitching staff, I think everything will be A-OK.
0: Indeed, it's always A-OK with our current guest, Jason Prill, Lynchburg Hillcats, Jas Prill, 19 Jason, thank you for your time today in the fast lane. Enjoy the week off and monitoring the Hillcats from a distance.
3: I will do my best, Ed. Thank
2: you.
0: NASCAR. Steven Stumpf, FrontStretch.com. With us here in the Fast Lane, Steven, NASCAR at St. Louis. I wouldn't give it an F. It wasn't horrible in terms of the product, but clunky? Is that a reasonable way to describe this past weekend at Phoenix?
1: It was definitely one of the weirdest races I've been to. We We make it five laps until there's lightning when the skies look clear. It was obviously a very hot day, too. Then we have the power, the box speed go out. We have the kind of the timing and scoring go out too. And then we had the four brake rotors. We had to repair the wall. It was just a, it was just a marathon day. And what was supposed to be an afternoon race ended basically at dusk almost at night. I think Conkys about right. And the, the, the next-gen cars, they still have their issues they need to work on on the flat tracks. Like on restarts, the, gr- the racing was great. Like you, cars could run side by side, but the problem was that when cars got got single file, it was hard to get up and pass someone when you're no longer side by side. So, I think it was an okay. Obviously, it was you know quite a grueling to to get done, but it was a sellout craft for the second year in a row. Fans showed up, and but I guess with everything kind of that happened, I do think it overshadowed a little bit of the racing which wasn't particularly good
0: no i mean it's that and it's the difficulty finding a rhythm and then of course apparently uh teams had lost access to data when the uh fiber optic issue popped up that also knocked the broadcast off of fs1 and the motor racing network that issue in and of itself is that a nascar issue is that a fiber connectivity company issue we all deal with these type of issues in the real world but they're supposed to be avoidable at a big time event like a nascar race
1: so, from what I heard in the media center, it was primarily the, the fiber issue. AT and T is what I heard from people in the media center. But I mean, I'm not. I'm truth be told, I'm not technically savvy enough to know exactly what happened. All I know is that it's been a while since I've seen something like this happen in a, years. So, I mean, I think it's just a one-time accident until it happens again. I think it was, I think you can just chalk it up as to an aberration
0: interesting that's part of the reality of this situation uh from this weekend at uh st louis's fans wanting answers of why you have uh, an outage in both broadcasts the audio for motor racing network and the tv for fs1 uh, last one for steven stump nascar reporter for frontstretch.com and it's steven underscore stump on twitter and instagram um the race itself kyle bush is a deserving winner Kyle Larson, under-discussed topic that once again, whether it was Martinsville earlier or this particular race, he has issues at the beginning of a race, but boy, his crew chief and Cliff Daniels may be the most underrated in the business right now in terms of finding solutions mid-race to right the wrong and maximize a day.
1: I mean, that was, it was definitely a surprising race from the five team, and in, in more ways than one. Obviously, it was very shocking to see them Fall back to I think is the lowest 32nd in the first stage but you know obviously they they made the car a little bit better and they did the two tire pit stops to perfection they got to 10th by the end of stage two and in the final stage in the middle that they were up and battling for the lead he was Larson was going side by side with Kyle Busch um, for pretty much all the final restarts at the end but obviously, with the tire disadvantage and the car disadvantage, Bush was by far the fastest car. He won his first polls in 2019. He led nearly half the race. Blaney was Ryan Blaney was really the only other one to be able to challenge him for the lead when they were, you know, up there. So, obviously, but obviously for the five team, it was you know they made it they made a day that, a good day out of something that was going to look horrendous at the beginning and. They got the top five, and they brought. More importantly, they brought home a car in one piece, which they haven't been able to do in quite a while. So, but yes, I mean, it was also Hamlin up front. He wasn't able to lead, though. It was kind of like a battle between those kind of four cars at the end. But obviously, Bush had the best car of the day, one of his most dominant runs in years, and he's now up to three wins this season, which is the same amount he had in his last two seasons at JGR combined.
0: It's very true, and Kyle Busch is a uh, kind of lurking there now as a legitimate threat, especially when you can win at a track that many people compare to Phoenix, which is, of course, St. Louis, a track where Kyle Busch was a dominant car and in the top five all day. Someone who's dominant with his analysis at FrontStretch.com and Steven underscore Stumpf on Twitter is Steven Stump. Thank you for your time today, Steven.
1: My, my pleasure. So I hope to see you guys again. I'll also be at Sonoma, so hope for a good race there too
0: indeed we hope to do, be able to discuss that as well and last
2: but not least
1: or maybe least the U, of L.
0: the U of L, the University of Lynchburg with WSET's Dave Walls, who's back off the injured list today. Dave, you recovered faster from your torn ACL than most people in the world of sports. Kudos to you, and of course, thank you for being back with us today in the fast lane. Dave, um, the University of Lynchburg baseball team, they're on to the Division Three College World Series final. That best two out of three round will start for them on Wednesday. Uh, their success, though, so far in this particular round how much do you chalk it up to starting fast and how much do you chalk it up to the fact that pitching has given them excellent returns on their investment particularly from the starters
2: well thanks ed and you know the fast starts certainly go a long way, but I think the the biggest separator, as you just mentioned, it has been their pitching. Lynchburg, you know, getting uh, multiple complete games here uh, out in Cedar Rapids, where you've seen other teams struggle. You know, East Texas Baptist, you know, didn't do much at two games against Lynchburg, but against some of the other teams who had weaker pitching, they were put. They put up 21 runs in order to get this opportunity against Lynchburg today, and we saw another game uh, against look uh, uh, Wisconsin Lacrosse, who Lynchburg beat in the early tournament. They. Score 20-plus earlier in this tournament as well, so the bats are there. That just shows you how well this Lynchburg team is pitching right now, and this is also a Lynchburg team that, by the way, they've got the big bats with, team, with players like Avery Needs and others who can blast the ball out of the ballpark. We've seen very few long balls in this in this tournament. The thing is, the pitching's been so good, they haven't needed it. They've been playing perfect small ball, perfect defense, and doing all the right things to get the wins, and the pitching has been really leading the way.
0: Yeah, it's been a key cog for Lynchburg in this particular run. Um, Because of that, how optimistic are you that when they start the College World Series Wednesday, they're in a good spot?
2: Yeah, I think they're in a tremendous spot right now, you know, without being overconfident. If you just look top to bottom, you know, they've been the most consistent team in uh, out of everyone here. You know, John Hopkins is the lone remaining top seed left. Uh, they got upset this afternoon, and they're playing right now just to get a shot against Lynchburg. And if you're the Hornets, you faced every challenge that every opponent in the regionals and super regionals has given you, and you haven't backed down from anything. Uh, multiple run deficits in the final innings, you know, you've come back from that, and now. Now here you are undefeated heading to a national championship. Uh, Lynchburg won't take anyone lightly, but certainly they are the team to beat right now. Make no mistake.
0: Undefeated with this analysis is Dave Walls of WSET. Dave, thank you for your time in the fast lane. We'll chat again later this week. Have
2: a great week. We'll talk to you soon.
0: Indeed. Dave Walls with us in the fast lane. That's how we wrap up today. We're back tomorrow, 5 to 6.